Can I just say I prefer my Google I.O. without a side of jackass mixed in? I mean, uh, can't disagree yeah, more. I guess so. No, I... Think I... <laughs> but there's, like, no jackass at all. It's, like, not even a hint of it. I, which, well, now I, I want know, Johnny I, Knoxville I on stage at I.O. 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is the Android Police Podcast for June 29th, 2022. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, uh, it's it's a mishmash again, folks. It's summer. Uh, we got a lot, of, a lot of different topics, some Android development news, some Chromebook news, which is uh, expensive and interesting. It's the 10-year anniversary of Google's craziest Google I.O. keynote. And we're talking about Starbucks cases for the Galaxy S22 <laughs> series, yeah. That one's gonna be fun. For some reason, I covet them. I know Ara does as well. So joining me this week, Ara Wagoner, how are you? Let me be very clear. I don't covet the Starbucks cases because I don't drink coffee, so I don't really oh, care about Starbucks. Disappointing from but, the very beginning. But it's a, it's, it's a slide of something that has been pissing me off slowly but surely more ever since January. But we will get to that in a bit. Will Saddleberg. How I don't you? covet them either, but I do drink coffee. It's funny. I actually, I wanted to start it off by saying, what are you angry about this week? Like that oh, should be man. your your tagline. It's like, hi, Ara. Hey, Will, what are you angry about this week? I'm angry about so much, but so much of it is just not relevant to the pod. And I will say that sc for screaming into a pillow later, mostly because my throat is already sore from screaming at a concert on Sunday and Monday. So yeah, I think that catharsis was well earned. Yeah. So um, as we do with every podcast, we each pick a topic or group of topics and we go around and talk about them. This week, Will, you are going to start. So what do you have for us? Yeah. So I want to start with this T-Mobile thing and we can talk more about this, but I think um, data and, and user data and privacy is on a lot of people's minds right now. Um, for some reason. For some reason. Uh, you can fill in the blank or... We can, you know, talk more about it if we want. At the same time, however, as people are, you know, deleting certain apps off of their phones, T-Mobile has decided to launch a, a new program after, I think, a year of beta testing that allows them to collect more data on how you're using your apps and then sell that data to advertisers, which is never good. And I don't think anyone likes being a part of it. So while it is anonymized, it does look into how you're using apps and what kind of apps to try to identify what you're interested in. So for example, if you have Delta's app and American Airlines app installed in your phone and you're regularly opening them because you're flying on those airlines or whatever, then T-Mobile would identify you as, you know, maybe a traveler or if you're using Expensify with it, you know, a business traveler, and then it would sell that data to advertising companies and be like, oh, we know this subscriber who's been anonymized, but this subscriber is uh, a business traveler. I I can't believe it's it's that we're still like having to deal with this. Like, I, I mean, I can believe it, but like, it's a new program that like, does anyone like being a part of these? Do, do these ever like end with like good press for the carrier? Like, I I no. I'm just, yeah. These will never end with good press for the carrier, especially at times like now, because, yeah, you mentioned the flight apps and the expense apps. Yeah. And, I, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, so if somebody has been using a 
period tracking app and then they stop well, using it, the ad yeah. tracker will know that and will be able to say, oh, so this is somebody who might want to target with pregnancy aids, with baby clothes, with all that stuff. Yeah. So th- that's part of why, A, if you're on T-Mobile, please go opt out of this immediately. But B, this is also why... I don't know why we let carriers get away with this crap because we already pay them. We pay them for the service. We pay for the phones, whether we know it or not. They already make enough money off of us. If they want to make money off of us other ways, then find a way to improve your services because just going, oh, we can just track you and sell all of your data to make an extra quick buck. That doesn't fly well, anymore. That's right. And that, but I mean, but it, it does because most people won't know about yeah, this. Yeah, and that's the problem. Like, it's a fine print thing. And yeah. unless the T-Mobile representative in the store had to actually tell it to you while you were getting your new plan or your new phone, you probably don't know about this unless you listen to tech news. And if you listen to tech news, then you knew how to, uh, then you probably know how to opt out of these things anyway. And I should say, if you are a T-Mobile subscriber, there is a way to to opt out. Um, you have to download uh, an Android app or an iOS app if you're if you're using an iPhone and uh, called Magenta Marketing Platform Choices, uh, which is uh, a very uh, catchy name that you all you are already remember. You have it memorized. Uh, hmm. It's Magenta Marketing Platform Choices, uh, and then you can uh, view your data and opt out entirely using that app. So, AT and T, Verizon, other carriers, they do this right. They've sold location data and have been called out by the press on this. They've they've claimed to stop selling location data because it aided and abetted some pretty terrible practices, including tracking people in the LGBTQ community and, and, and inadvertently outing them. It's widely, I think, thought to be pretty untoward in, in, in this industry. But the revenue generated by the carriers is, is likely enormous. And the justification here is sort of the same thing that the, I mean, the parallel that I think about that makes sense to our listeners maybe would be when they started playing ads before movie trailers, when you go to a movie, they started doing this a decade or, t- or so ago, right? Where you pay 15 bucks to go to a movie. You're already seeing ads for other movies before the movie starts. It's gotten but- worse. They do mid-roll. They'll do trailer, trailer, commercial, trailer, trailer. Well, oh, I don't think we've been a- upgraded to that package here in Canada yeah. yet. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's pretty terrible. Well, here's the thing. For one, they've done trailers in front of a movie for at least as long as I have been alive and going to theaters. Because I have always remembered there being trailers in front of the movie. They do more than just trailers for other movies now. Like AMC will do like, oh, thank you for coming to AMC. Become an A-list Stubbs member. Uh, Here are product placements with Coca-Cola and uh, Mars Candy. No, I mean like even beyond that. Like I, I don't remember... This was in the last three or four months. Maybe, maybe the Batman. It was, it was like all that stuff. But then, like trailer, trailer, travel ad, like Expedia ad. Yes, yeah, trailer, yeah. trailer. I just, I, I bring this up because what T-Mobile is doing is not unique, right? We've, we've reported Verizon and, and AT and T and and other carriers engaging with other companies before. Third parties, a uh, third party called Digital Turbine is well known to have partnered with AT&T and Verizon. This is T-Mobile's first stab at it. It's not location data, it's app data. Yeah. And it's skeezy because the opt-out involves downloading an app. And that, as you said, most people won't know about it. And it's just par for the course, right? Google has been trying to do this on the web by getting rid of tracking cookies. T-Mobile is then leveraging that trend to sell anonymized data to advertisers. And 
is calling it heroic in some way. That's what I find so distasteful about this. And just the website itself, apps speak louder than words. It's, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah. Let's also be very, very clear about a couple of things. Anonymized does not mean much considering that ad companies will sell this data to different third-party companies and ad companies will aggregate and aggregate and aggregate to try and get a better and better and better picture of whoever the advertising ID is. But most times you can de-anonymize data so long as you have enough data points. Exactly. That's what I mean, right? Call it anonymous all you want. It's not really. They took your official name off of it and are letting the company figure that back out. Yeah. If you're a T-Mobile user, go to our show notes, download the app to opt out. It's pretty easy and never have to think about this again until T-Mobile does it again. And then you'll have to do it in a, in a year or so. But anyway. Well, this is also part of why privacy controls are so important in like Android 12 and whatnot and limiting the amount of things an app can see that other apps are doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hopeful that the privacy, as we get more granular, as we become more aware of it, we can hopefully get things tamped down a little bit more. T-Mobile isn't the only one tracking you on your phone, obviously, because so many of the apps that we install from like major corporations, a lot of those have tracking built into them too, and they don't necessarily turn off the tracking when the app is not in use. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. All right, Will, what do you have next? Yeah, so this this is actually, as we're recording, th- this news is 30 minutes old, so this is coming in hot, but... um. <laughs> Earlier this year, uh, Google launched Switch to Android, which is an iOS app that is designed to make it easier to switch from iPhone to Android. It was initially just for Pixel devices, so you had to be buying a a new Pixel device to get the option to use this app. It involves scanning a QR code. Everything is moved over wirelessly. Starting today, it works with any Android 12 phone, so that's, that's all of Samsung's newest stuff. That's you know, a OnePlus 10 Pro, that's all of Motorola's stuff. So anyone buying a new Android phone today, uh, if they're upgrading from like an iPhone 11, for example, will be able to use this app, which is great because the app doesn't actually do anything new in terms of like what it's moving over, but it does eliminate the cable. You don't need to hook up your phone using a cable. Uh, It does give Google some I guess brand recognition on on the App Store of like in the same way that Apple has with their move to iOS app, it's almost like advertising. I think it's a good step in terms of making it easier for iPhone users to switch to Android. I think most interesting about this is just that it got approved in the first place, right? I, I think Apple probably hated the fact that this passed muster in terms of like the App Store rules. The fact that there's a an app in the store with the word Android in the title <laughs> yeah. probably makes Greg Josniak just like scream into the ether. And Phil Schiller is just like breaking Android phones with a mallet <laughs> in frustration. But like, yeah, it exists and Google earned it, right? There is no question that using a high end Android phone today is as good an experience in almost every way. And we were like, talking in frustration about how bad the iPhone's keyboard is earlier. Yeah. You know, there are still some things about using a high-end Android phone that is just objectively better than using an iPhone. Well, not even high-end. Like, the keyboard experience alone will be better even on mid-range and lower-end phones with the the, keyboards. The Pixel 6a will have a better... Yeah, I guess so. I feel like that's still hit and miss given the performance of mid- and low-end phones, but you're right. Generally... The keyboard experience is better. So anyway, I just think it's it's interesting that Google's leaning so hard into this. 
a lot of Android phones are running Android 12 now, though we still have no idea the official distribution numbers. Mm -hmm. Go on Google, give us those. But I don't know. I think this is great. This is just, as you said, it's really good advertising. Yeah. And it's really funny. The blog post that Google put out to to accompany this announcement is like, and here are 10 great reasons that you should switch to Android. And it's, it's... You know, it, it's hitting all the things you would think it would. It's like, oh, Google Meet if you need to place a video call. And by the way, I, you could use FaceTime and Chrome if you want to, right? And then it's like messaging. Uh, you're going to love RCS. And don't worry, your iPhone friends, they'll still get your messages, which in my experience is actually hit or miss. But yeah, it's just so funny that they have to be like, Apple won't give us RCS support. So uh, don't, don't worry about it. You're going you're gonna to have a great time anyway. It's just funny. I also find it hilarious that when Google's talking about messaging now, it has to talk about RCS. Yeah. There are no other talking points at all anymore. And all they're doing is basically passing the buck back to Apple, being like, in order to make our incredible messaging experience work, Apple has to completely refactor its messaging infrastructure by supporting RCS. It's just, it's so ridiculous. Um, I mean, Apple isn't won't. the easiest way to frame this just to be that SMS is insanely unsecure, easy to spoof? Like, They've RCS done that. is needed for a reason. Google has done that. They've come out and said that if, if Apple cared about privacy and security, they would adopt RCS. And Apple's response was, we don't, we who are you? We don't know who you are. I, I Did you guys hear anything? Yeah, that's exactly. It. Yeah. But I, I anyway, yeah. That's all we need to say about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Will. Ara, what do you have for us today? Okay. Let's have some fun here for a second. Because I got to say, I am so mad at Samsung for this. And granted, I'm sure a lot of people are mad at Samsung about this because they can't get them here in the U.S. But um, Samsung in Korea has launched some limited edition Starbucks-themed cases for the Galaxy S22 series and Galaxy Buds. They have these cute little ones for the buds that one of them looks like a coffee cup and one of them is a more reasonable size that won't be ridiculously huge in your pocket that just has a Starbucks logo on it. But they had exclusive colors for the silicone case with strap with exclusive straps. And then they had a couple of other exclusive cases that had like the Samsung logo on it or had some nice uh, tasteful designs going on. I don't care about any of that. What I'm pissed about is that Samsung still will not give us all of the custom, fun, licensed cases and straps and whatnot that they said they were going to give us six months ago. Because whenever they announced the Galaxy S22, they had a nice little slide about customization. They showed straps and cases that had Disney designs that had Peanuts characters on them. That uh, Some of them had, oh God, what is that lollipop kind name? Chupa uh, Chub? Chupa Chup? Yes, that one. Uh, but they had. I, thought, I never of, know how to pronounce it. I should know how to pronounce it, but I've just blanked it from my memory because I haven't had one in so long. Um, but they had all of these licensed designs, and we have seen none of them. And that's a shame because even if we hadn't gotten theme straps for the Galaxy Watch 4, which I'm still waiting on Samsung, and even if we hadn't gotten the. Um, they had a cover case for, I think it was the S22 and the S22 Plus, but not the Ultra, that had swappable backplates, kind of like Rhino Shield. And even if we hadn't gotten those, because Samsung has made the silicone case with strap something that they have given basically every major Samsung phone in the last year now, since it debuted with the Z Flip 3, 
that we haven't gotten license straps for those because those you can bring those from phone to phone. So all the strap cases, the straps are interchangeable with all of them. And we haven't gotten any of those. We haven't gotten any of the license cases or any of the license customization things. And I'm just so pissed because they made that like a two minute talking point during the launch. And then we got nothing. And I'm partially mad at Samsung for that. I'm a little bit more pissed at Disney for that because I know Disney would like to sell Samsung accessories and get more of that branding, that advertise. Uh, it's it's free advertising. Whenever anybody buys any of these cases and then uses their phone in public, it's, oh, cool. That's a nice case that happens to have uh, Lightyear on it. Or that's a cute Minnie Mouse case. Did you get that at the parks? I really, really want them to give us the customization that they have said that they were going to give us. Because this is the second year in a row that Samsung has been like, oh yeah, we're going to allow for more customization. We're going to have more partnerships and more licensed stuff and then haven't done any of it. Starbucks is the first of these that we have seen for a while that, well, that, that we've seen that has had interaction with the strap case. Because even like the Pokemon limited edition stuff, A, it was again, only Korea, but that was a custom Galaxy Buds case and one of 10 stickers, you did not even get to pick the sticker. I really just want to know what it takes for us to get fun accessories here in the United States or anywhere else in the world that isn't Korea that is going to go absolutely apeshit over any kind of limited edition anything. I think the answer is not to be in a supply chain crisis for two years. Honestly, I, I do think that is the simplest answer here is they ain't having any trouble keeping their cases in stock no I, i'm sure not but these are small allotment releases i don't think they're a huge priority i think they're more for marketing than anything else i agree with you like it would be nice for samsung to follow through with stuff like this but in a world where it's struggling to keep up with the manufacturing of generic plastic cases it doesn't surprise me that these are lower down on the list i think What's more interesting here is Samsung has always been second to Apple in terms of long-term accessory partnerships. Obviously, Samsung makes up around 25% of the overall market share for smartphones sold in the world. You know, Apple has the made-for-iPhone program. They have very stringent rules for quality I don't know if Samsung's made for Samsung program or made for Galaxy program has those same rules, but I imagine they do. And if that's the case, then it's probably about maintaining those levels of quality and just not being able to source the right components at the moment. These are cases. It's silicone and fabric. I'm just telling you what I what I think is the most likely scenario here. It's not like Samsung wants to not follow through with these commitments. And the companies that they're entering into partnerships with certainly don't want those limited time opportunities to just go out the window, right? We're already halfway through the life cycle of the Galaxy S22 series, right? They're losing potential revenue every day they don't release these partnerships. Yeah. I don't know. It's it 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 doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I also think Samsung accessories are just lower down the list than Apple accessories. It's always been the case. These these particular ones though, like I'm I love them and I'm so jealous they're not available in the US. I think these are adorable. And the receipt one with the dark green silicone, like yeah. oh, just give give it give it to me. It's so it's just perfect. I don't even drink Starbucks. I'm not even a Starbucks person, but this is perfect. I don't know. I love it. 
I have so many thoughts I could say with this, and I know that we need to wrap up. All I will say is, now that we have, like, like the strap case is a relatively easy design, and it would be easy enough to say, okay, third-party makers, here are the specs. You can make straps for these if you want. And we sell the straps at, like, 20 bucks. If you want to sell them lower, go ahead. But do that and let people get fun with the case without having to go to, like, Casetify or Skin It or... Uh, Otterbox does some custom printing, but they don't do enough designs and they don't really do enough originality with them. But let us get fun with these. I just think it's it's always a balance between preserving the image of the brand and allowing anybody to make a 99 cent piece of crap case for your product and then have it not work properly. So I think it's the right move to have Samsung maintain higher quality controls but that obviously limits who can make them and how many of them are out there. I mean, I finally got the silicone case with strap in my hands and the strap itself, it feels okay. It doesn't feel like super duper premium. It feels like it's worth 20 bucks, which is fine because that's what the replacement straps cost. But I don't know. I will go on forever. So y'all need to just shut me up and move on. <laughs> but I want more. I expect more. Okay, well, what, what's next on your list? What's next on my list is something that I will be writing a review for, and it, it's the summer, and we have a holiday, and then we have a shopping holiday coming up, so it's going to be a couple of weeks before I get this review out, but I got the HP Elite Dragonfly Chromebook last week in for review, and oh my gosh, I have been in love with this thing, which I didn't expect to love it as much as I do, considering this is a very, very, very expensive laptop, and I'm usually not really fond of super expensive laptops because most Chromebooks, this isn't a Chromebook that most people will even like bat their eye and look at. Most people are going to see the sticker and they're going to walk away because the Dragonfly Elite Chromebook starts at 1050 or 1100, depending on what the exact configurations are because configurations have been a little bit squishy when trying to find out where they are and what they're costing, especially with the financial system the way it is right now. But the laptop itself has been amazing. I wish it was fanless, but it's not, and it does warm up on, it'll warm up in your lap noticeably, but this is one of the fastest Chromebooks I've ever used, and it has the best screen in a Chromebook that I've ever seen. So I am absolutely in love. It had better have all of those things for 1150 to 12 to, or 1050 to $1,100. What are yeah. the specs like uh, I think like the configuration that I have is 1250 Jesus. Um, with that's ambitious. I mean, the balls on HP just to release a laptop, a Chromebook well, at that price. that's what the Dragonfly series is. The Dragonfly series is like their big special cream of the crop. Yeah, it's special Windows PCs. Like, yeah. I'm just surprised anybody's giving this the time of day outside of this podcast. And I'm not <laughs> even against high-end Chromebooks. I'm just saying, like, I, I like that HP is sticking its toe into what has traditionally been a fairly unpopular segment, which is like high-end Chromebooks. And there haven't been that many, but this is next oh. level, right? Well, there's premium and there's ultra premium, and this is ultra premium. Like, I love the Spin 713. And speaking of the Spin 713, I just finished my review of the Acer Spin 513, and it had the same goddamn speakers that just wreck. The, the Acer Chromebook Spin 713 would be almost perfect if it had up-firing speakers and maybe the fans weren't so loud. The HP Elite, these speakers are great. These speakers are up-firing. 
And while the fans will spin up, they're not going to be like just going 120% of the time at full noise, mm. which I love. Ultra premium Chromebooks exist for the same reason that premium Chromebooks do. There are people who, well, I should also say this Chromebook is probably not made for regular consumers so much as it is made for business and enterprise because the majority of the configurations for this laptop are enterprise, like have the Chrome Enterprise upgrade built in. They have ePro, so they have some kind of special encryption that I can't remember from my briefing last week because there's just been so much going on and my brain broke last week. Sorry, guys. I know that I am not alone in thinking that since the Pixelbook that we got back in end of 2017, I think, that we haven't really seen anything quite like it since. The Galaxy Chromebooks... They got too hot, and so they underthrottled and just weren't as good as they should have been. And then we've had things like the Acer Chromebook Spin 713, which aren't as thin and aren't quite as premium and have to cut corners somewhere in order to not be a thousand bucks. This is one that just full on went for broke. This is over a thousand dollars. This is a premium two in one Chromebook that has the super bright three two aspect ratio screen that Pixelbook owners have just loved to pieces for the last five years it's an amazingly good chromebook that most people won't afford and reasonably shouldn't buy but for a niche laptop it fills its niche incredibly well and i'm gonna be very very sad when i have to send it back i want to know like if anybody's listening to this and will spend over a thousand dollars on a chromebook that's not that doesn't have the pixelbook name in it please send send, send me money podcast at andrew please i, I want to know who you are and what's wrong with you. I know there are dozens of us. Y'all can speak up. I got you. Oh, man. Um, All right. I want to talk about some more technical things to end the show. But the main topic here is something that I've been following for a few years, something Andrew Police has been following for as long, and I think it's just fascinating. So let's go back to 2018, 2019, right? You get reports of people with medication apps that have to live in the background to remind you that you have to take your meds at a particular time or something, an app that needs to be open 24-7, essentially defying what your phone's natural state is, which is to get rid of any background processes to save as much battery as humanly possible. And we're getting reports that companies like Nokia, like OnePlus, are closing these background processes without your permission, right? And as a result, people aren't getting those notifications. They're not getting the use, that background use out of those apps. Turns out that Google makes a bunch of recommendations for how apps should function. Android is built with these presets, essentially. But because Android is open source, manufacturers can override those settings and decide that they want to have a heavier hand when it comes to background processes in order to extend battery life as far as possible. So all that's leading us to today, where a bunch of manufacturers treat background app processes differently. And Google has released a new set of testing procedures as part of its CTS or Android compatibility test suite. Every single phone that's released with Google services has to pass the Android compatibility test suite, which is just a swath of different tests that mean Google is okay preloading all of these apps. There's a new set of tests that developers are submitting 
as part of something called the CTSD, which is obviously Android Compatibility Test for Developers. And what these are supposed to do is allow developers to essentially proactively help Google solve the problem of Android manufacturers treating background apps poorly. So this is new and it's starting to roll out and there's only a couple of tests in there. And right now they are focused on that main problem of like excessive power usage. But what's so interesting about this is that Google's worked with the main developer. If you've ever used an app called Sleep as Android, there's a guy who runs that app called Peter Nalevka, and he created an, a website, Don't Kill My App. Google has essentially worked with him to build this first developer test. And what it's going to do is hopefully get companies like Xiaomi, like Vivo, like Oppo, basically any Chinese manufacturer that just optimizes for battery life over anything else to hopefully, and I'll, I say hopefully because there are caveats here, to stop enforcing these terrible background app practices. So the CTSD tests are not officially part of CTS, which means they're not enforceable, they're recommended. Google's essentially saying, hey, we have these tests, you as an Android manufacturer, can test your phones against these apps and these services and make sure that they are functioning properly and they're not killing them in the background. And then if a manufacturer decides to ignore the test results, the developers can then work with Google on sort of like enforcing the changes or at least like strongly recommending that the changes are implemented. So Google's acting as a middleman here and as a mediator. I'm hoping in a year from now, this means that if somebody imports a phone that has really bad background app practices, they're not killing the wrong apps. This has been plaguing Android users for years. I don't know about you guys, but I've felt every time I've picked up an Oppo review unit, I have to deal with this. Or you have to go into the settings, Will, you're, you're, you're nodding your head. Like You have to go in and like manually unoptimize 400 apps just to make sure that they're not closed in the background. Yeah, and it, I feel like it's better if you stick to like Samsung or, or Google specifically products. But but yeah, the, the minute you start venturing off into less mainstream brands or at least less mainstream in, in North America, you, you're going to run into this a lot. And it's like, oh, my podcast app lost my spot or something like that. Like that's annoying. Or it can be like if you're using healthcare apps, if you're using this these sort of things that you rely on notifications on, it can be life-threatening, like legitimately. And as smartphones become your license and it's literally the way you pay for groceries and all this stuff, you know, not all of that relies on staying active in the background, but a lot of it will. And as we rely on the more companies putting battery life above all else to the point where it's like, well, we're just going to terminate every single app and we don't care. It's like, that's a problem. Yeah. So back at I.O., Google held its, its roundtable, Android roundtable, as they do every year. They acknowledged that they were working on this. And then a couple months later, they launched CTSD. This has been a long time coming. I, I know that for a fact. Google has been working on this behind the scenes. I hope at some point CTSD becomes enforced and not just highly recommended. But I'm happy it's there. And hopefully we'll see some improvements in the future. All right. One more little bit of news from a developer perspective. Friend of the show, Michelle Rahman, he's discovered that an update to the personal safety app that is pre-installed on all Pixel phones, it's that app that detects car crashes. For instance, if you're in a car crash, if you have a Pixel that supports it, it will call 911 on your behalf. 
This uses a feature, it's called the Context Hub Runtime Environment, or CHRE. Essentially, it's a very low power process for things like this that have to run 24 seven, but don't use a lot of battery or shouldn't use a lot of battery. This is being expanded beyond pixels. So what this means is that your Samsung phone may support car crash detection in the future, which is a big deal. Every time I see comments about how car crash detection is not a huge thing, like it could save your life. If you're in the middle of nowhere and you're by yourself and you crash into a tree and your phone automatically calls 911, it might save your life. So I don't know. I, I feel like this is a, an important thing. The CHRE is also part of what runs just a lot of other low power processes on the Pixel. Google expanding it beyond the Pixel very, very important. Yep. Uh, a very, very good thing. Yeah, I'm happy to see that safety first features are not remaining pixel exclusive, that Google is offering this sort of like, like this does not need to be a pixel selling point. It shouldn't. No, I think yeah. it, it is inadvertently. But yeah, Google, sure. Google is definitely yeah. doing things in the right way to expand all privacy, security and safety features right. that debuted on pixel beyond it. All right. Lastly, this is a kind of a fun one. 10 years ago this week was Google I.O. 2012. And for anybody who doesn't know why that's significant, it was the debut of the Nexus Q. The first social streaming media player made for Google Play at home. Nexus Q streams all of your music and entertainment directly from the cloud to your home. Which was the awful and uh, just ridiculous precursor to the Chromecast. It's now been just relegated to the mass heap of Google products that have failed, but it has a really rich history. And it's something that I, 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 I used it, I tried to at least, and it was just bizarre. It was a very bizarre orb that had LEDs all over the place and you plugged it into your television. $300. It, it was $300, <laughs> it just was so over-engineered. Didn't support Netflix, that was sure cool. Didn't. No, it, it was just, it got discontinued very quickly, but it did, it, did the it, Nexus it, Q ever actually go on no. sale? I thought they it went up for pre-order. Yeah, yeah. It was. The, I mean, it was the basis for what came in the Chromecast. Yeah, a year later they launched the Chromecast for like thirty-five bucks. It was literally, you know, a tenth of what they were going to sell the Q for, and that's yeah. history. It was famously made in the United States. Google made yep. a huge deal about this. Yep, that it was manufactured entirely in the U.S., which again something that the company's kind of coming back to now. So that was one part of it. The better part of it was that, so Google Glass had debuted a couple of months earlier. This was the time that Sergey Brin, co-founder of Google, stood on stage and directed a bunch of skydivers to fly from a plane, a low altitude plane, wearing Google Glass and recorded the entire descent onto the roof of the Moscone Center and then came down through the staircase into the amphitheater live while we were watching in the audience. Yeah, they're off. Yeah. All right. It's it's so it, it, it's worth watching even even with that description. With BMX bikes, yes, Jules. Yes. Thank you. Um, uh, our producer Jules re <laughs> reminded us that there were also BMX bikes on the roof. It it was a it was an it was wacky. It, it was crazy. It's great watching. He he walks at like like they're in the middle of a like. Here's how here's how you'll plan events on Google Plus. 
like like they're showing this off and it's like really boring and then he just walks on stage he's like i gotta stop we we this is uh time sensitive we got to do this now i got a bunch of people about to jump out of a plane right at a mile above us and it, it's so rad uh it, it's the it's the exact you know we were talking a couple weeks ago about like google isn't the fun company anymore you know apple is and and this is this is kind of what we're talking about which is like bring this energy back bring like yeah, hold on. We got to do some ridiculous stunt to advertise our AR glasses real quick. That's just not Sundar's. No, Google, it's not. Right? Like it's, it's not. It, it, if you for, you have you forget just how weird Bryn mm-hmm. and Paige were when yeah. they were actually running Google. But yeah, those days are long gone. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. If you have any <laughs> memories of Google I/O 2012, I mean, there were more. Nexus like, Seven. Nexus Seven. Yeah. That was the debut of the Pebble smartwatch in oh. the world. Like it, it had soft launched in some form on on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but that was the first time that we could actually see it in person, uh, which was really interesting. Uh, what else was there? It, there was a, I mean, a giant statue of the Nexus Q in the lobby of the Moscone Center, which was incredible. There was a a huge Google Street View. Compo- like just a, a massive installation with a bunch of screens showing Google Street View. It was it was just a mess. Android uh, Android four point one Jelly Bean with with Project Butter, which genuinely made a huge improvement to how Android felt on phones. True. If you remember, ice cream sandwich to Jelly Bean was a gigantic jump for it being a point one upgrade. And then finally, just to wrap up how insane that that IO was. They gave a Nexus Q, a Nexus 7, a Galaxy Nexus, and was that wasn't the year of cardboard, was it? No, cardboard's no, no cardboard that was later. Was yeah. Later. But they gave us a lot of stuff for that uh, at IO. This was back when Google would just give away freebies to all the attendees, and it was so popular at the time that people would like trade their invites to IO just to get the free stuff. Yep. So yep. I didn't bring a piece of I didn't bring a lug uh, anything beyond just a small carry on with me. So when I left the last day, I had to stuff the boxes of all of these things into a tiny trash can in San Francisco before I left for the airport because <laughs> I couldn't fit the boxes <laughs> in my bag. And then when I went through TSA because I didn't have the box for the Nexus Q, I got interrogated because I had a weird Google branded orb <laughs> in my carry on with absolutely no documentation or context uh, at all perfect. because it had literally been announced the previous day. Oh, they so. didn't recognize See, the that's Nexus when you Q. Keep the documentation sure inside of the box. I, I didn't think, but I should have. Anyway, given that it never went on sale, I'm very sad I no longer have it. Hey, I just I just want to say one more uh, Google Now announced on stage. Never, oh, never forget. I just I feel like people will appreciate the Google Now shout out. Rest never in forget. peace. Yeah. Our favorite of the side panels. Absolutely. 100 percent. All right. So that's the show. I, I appreciate just how varied this, this show uh, <laughs> was. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're we're getting we're getting out of the summer doldrums at, at some point. So we'll uh, Pixel we'll, 6A. We'll, we'll stay on focus coming. over Pixel the next 6A. couple of weeks. Or six, yeah, six A. It's coming. Sorry, seven Pixel Seven on the brain, but it's the Pixel Six A. Pixel Six A is the one I want. <laughs> Let us know what you Bring thought it. of the Bring show. It. Podcast at AndroidPolice.com. We love hearing from you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JourneyDan. You can find Ara at AraWagco. You can find Will at Will underscore Saddleberg. You can find Jules at Point Jewels. You can find all of us at AndroidPolice.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.
拜。Bye.